What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend, a debrief, an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me in the host spotlight for the first time ever, uh, Miss Abby Lineberg. Abby, how are you? Great. Good. Excited to be here. Good. Are you nervous at all? Sure. Yeah. I, I kind of figured. <laughs> Haven't been on a podcast yet. Uh, thank you for joining us. Super exciting. Uh, he's back with us, Senior Pastor Mark Carey. Mark, how are you doing, my friend? Very well. Thanks. Good. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's false fall, ladies and gentlemen. It's what? Uh, false fall. False fall. fall. That's the season. So basically what happens, I don't know if you know this, but there's 10 seasons in Virginia. Oh. And so what happens is fall comes for two weeks. Oh, I and see. then it doesn't because it's like 72 degrees and sunny yeah, right now. We I thought that, that was like Indian summer. Right. We, we yeah. call that Indian summer. Is that what it Indian is? Indian summer. I don't know. That's, uh, you know. Whatever way you slice today it. Today is, it's, uh, you know, maybe, it's, it's maybe warm we have to out. call it commander's summer. Yeah. yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> so. <laughs> that's good. The point is, enjoy the sunlight while it's here, folks. Guardians, because there you go. Nationals. Yeah, that, I don't know. Pick one. Well, guard, you know that's, what I'm the, that's the the Cleveland, right there. He's yeah, they the changed. You're right. You're right. Very good. Anyway. <laughs> Once it gets cold, it's staying cold. But thank you guys for joining us. Uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into a, a Sunday in review here at Fellowship Bible Church? We like to unpack the sermon, uh, talking through Acts chapter one. Abby, I'm going to come your way first, and then uh, Mark will see what you have for us. So, what were your thoughts on what was shared this weekend? Yeah, um, I really appreciated the like framing of the last 40 days. So uh, Emma and I, Emma Color, have been going through like the Acts study book, and we've been basing it on the verses that they already have sectioned out. And so then mm -hmm. we kind of have a hard time with the context, like maybe we should have gone a verse further or back a little bit to understand. But having that frame of these were his last 40 days kind of helped put it all into context and help, like gave the verses a different meaning. If you know what I mean? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I think it's it's important to understand we focus in on the cross and the resurrection, which is incredible, and then we know there's an ascension at some point, but but what happens and what Jesus chooses to do, I think sets a foundation for the book of Acts, and I know we've been doing you know an introduction to the book for so long. Uh, why is it important to, to hone in on Jesus's specific actions, deeds, and words before the rest of the book takes place? Well, again, it's the context. Um, so if it, it, Acts 1, 1, all that Jesus began to do and teach, then we're left dangling. I mean, Luke doesn't, but the implication is, and it, he's continuing to do that and teach. And what do we find? Uh, the following verses, he's talking to his disciples about the kingdom. So then you go back to Luke and realize that's what he talked about all the time. That's, that's what he began to do and teach hmm. was kingdom work, kingdom activity, and kingdom teaching. So is there something in Acts that makes us want to, is that continuing uh, hmm. through? And and uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that the third verse in Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 3, talks about the kingdom. The last verse, chapter 28, verse 31, Paul is still talking about the kingdom. So there is, there's something there that, uh, that is ever present in the heart of God, in the heart of Jesus, that that's what he talked about as he, in volume one, and it's present in volume two. We just have to unpack it in the book of Acts 
to understand at what level, what, and there's a lot of confusion, I think, and misconception, and, and there certainly was in Peter's mind in the first few chapters, and then, you know, and, and then we get, it, it's added confusion in chapter 10, 11, it goes to Cornelius, and then, but Paul is still talking about the kingdom, so what is the kingdom, and, and why was that ever present? So there's continuity in volume one and volume two, um, mm. but you need, I think, before we get to volume two in the the book of Acts, it's kind of nice to have some broad context, Old Testament teaching, and then what we did this last week a little bit too in the, the kingdom teaching that Jesus did. It's hmm. good. I know we mentioned last week, this is the called the Acts of the Apostles often, but Mark mentioned it's, it's really the Acts of Jesus. And so I think it's important that when verse 5 comes and when the Holy Spirit's been given, it, on whom's authority, right? And, and Jesus playing such a, a pivotal role in that. Uh, I know we had at least a, a couple questions come in. Mark, I'm going to come your way first with a, that idea of the kingdom you mentioned comes out in the book of Acts. What, what has some of the conversation been since, since this weekend? Well, about that I mean, even, and, well, and even before, mm -hmm. I can remember when I was teaching through the book of uh, Luke, um, six, seven, eight years ago, eight, nine, nine mm -hmm. years ago, 2012, 2013, 10, nine, 10 years ago, time goes, uh, that there was questions because the concept of the kingdom of God is found 41 times, I think it is, in, in mm -hmm. Luke. So what what is that? And Jesus talked about the, you know, uh, well, even John the Baptist, you know, repent for the kingdom of God is near, and it's it's like it's it's imminent. It was, and Jesus said that, and there was a sense of urgency, but imminency of the of the coming kingdom of God. And um, but then the, it, it kind of gets confused, and and you know what? So what happened in Acts? And so all all those questions come about. So what is the kingdom of God? And there there's kind of not to oversimplify things, but there's kind of three different views. One is that th this idea of the kingdom is um, it's a spiritual it's a spiritual kingdom. So Jesus died, he raised was resurrected. He's in heaven, he's, and it says he's at the right hand of the Father, at the throne. Hmm. So there is his kingdom is now, and it's a spiritual kingdom. So as the gospel is shared and people come to faith in Christ. They're, they're brought into the kingdom, and the kingdom is a now thing. It's happening now. We're, you know, we talk about, um, you've heard the phrase, the, the millennialism, the, the, the millennial reign comes from Revelation 20, the thousand-year reign, millennial reign of Jesus. And so some people will say, that's now. We're, we're in the millennial reign now. It's not defined by a thousand. It's just, it's, it's the now reign, and Jesus is reigning um, and so that's one view. The second view is, well, this part of that is right, but it's not all right. And there's, there's an aspect where the kingdom is now, we're in the kingdom, Jesus is at the right hand, he's sitting on David's throne, but it's not the final form of it. It's the now, but not yet. And so there's a coming ultimate earthly kingdom and reign, that terrestrial rule of Jesus on earth, and um, and so it's kind of a now and not yet. Then there's a third kind of perspective that says, um, where there's this universal kingdom of God, where he is sovereign over all. Predominantly when that kingdom, like when Jesus talked about the kingdom, he wasn't talking about a now. He was talking about that kingdom that the prophets talked about, a literal reign of Jesus when he will come back to earth, sit on the throne in Jerusalem, and reign over this world. And that 
and that alone refers to the kingdom of God. It's, so it's not partly now and most will be later. It's all future. Mm-hmm. And um, we are in not an age of a, of a kingdom of God in that, that sense. Um, so th- those are three, three aspects, godly scholars, you can find them all, oh, yeah. all, all on there. Yeah. And, um, so it raises the questions, what did, um, what did Jesus mean when he said the question that the, the kingdom of God is near or the, the accent or the Luke 17 passage that we looked at, um, where he said the, uh, to the Pharisees who were asking about the timing of the kingdom. Uh, in Luke 17, 20, they had been questioning uh, Jesus about when the kingdom of God was coming. Interestingly, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, that's exactly what Peter is going to do. Is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom? So the, the question is, what did, what did they intend? What was the Pharisees' intent? How did they understand the kingdom? They heard Jesus, they listened to him, all this teaching for two and a half, three years. So when they're questioning him, so when is, is it now, you know, when, when is this kingdom of God happening? What did they have in mind? And I would claim that they had in mind what Isaiah had in mind, what Daniel had in mind, what Ezekiel had in mind, and that is an earthly reign of the anointed, of the Messiah who was going to come back and put everything right and lead Israel into this worldwide peace. Um, and they were just wondering when that's going to happen. Hmm. Uh, Jesus shocks them, I think, by saying, hey, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs or wonders or to, to be observed, Not uh, nor will they say, look, there it is, here it is. For behold, kind of, hey, pay attention, the kingdom of God, and I mentioned that most translations will say is in your midst, the NIV translation is the only translation that will say the kingdom of God is within you. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, that's a question. Why, you know, why isn't the kingdom of God, why, why not within you in the sense that the spiritual form of the kingdom, it's, it's, it's in my heart. This is where the kingdom is. It's internal, it's spiritual, it's not... And the only reason why mo- all translations don't interpret it that way is because it's being addressed addressed to whom? To the wicked Pharisees. So Jesus, it would be kind of, it's, it's hard to believe that Jesus is looking at uh, the wicked, yeah. uh, anti-God religious leaders and Same telling them the Spirit of God is within you. Because it wasn't. It was within somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't yeah. within them. Yeah. But that's who he's addressing. Mm-hmm. And and what he so what he the best translation is it's 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 among you it's it's in it's in your midst it's in your reach I'm here I'm the king and if you care to accept it you accept me the kingdom's here mm-hmm. um, yeah it's good. so that you know I know there's some yeah, questions yeah, on yeah. that yeah no that's good Abby you mentioned you and Emma have been studying through Acts like a little bit yeah. and unpacking this even as he mentions the kingdom and goes back in the Bible to, to Luke and even Isaiah and all that like right. has that been popping up for for you two and, and in your own study of Acts have you noticed that where you have to kind of get an understanding of the kingdom or the spirit or Jesus like what has that been like for you so far yeah um, there's been a few words that jump out like each time we do it I mean it's mm-hmm. kind of divided each page and so um, 
the first section is one through eight. And so we've obviously gone through that a little slower with the sermons, but it's been really good mm, yeah. for us because we already went through this section per se, but now we can go back and some of the questions we maybe had yeah. that weren't answered have been mm. answered. Um, but one thing that did pop us pop up for us was um, baptism specifically, like for verse five, when uh, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And it was kind of like, okay, so the baptism with water, how is that different than being baptized with the Spirit? You know, like mm -hmm. visually, what does that mm -hmm. look like? Mm -hmm. um, and so we've del dived into answers about like, what does the word baptism mean? Like overwhelming versus cleanse versus, mm. you know what I'm saying? But yeah. anyways, the word study has been helpful and have you concluded anything? Concluded. Have you, your your word studies. What what have right. what conclusions have you come to, Abby? <laughs> um, I think well, with baptism specifically in this in this passage, it was helpful to realize that it could just mean overwhelming, versus like we always associate it with water, mm -hmm. but maybe it, it's not water. It's just that the Holy Spirit did overwhelm you or cleanse you hmm. yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's. The, the 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 word baptism is one of those words um, that is a uh, it's a Greek word that is transliterated. So the Greek word is baptizo. And they just brought the letters over to bapt. So it's a it's a transliterated word. Um, so every time you say the word baptism, you're really speaking Greek. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the, and the word itself conveyed this idea of identification. So that word was used if you took um, a piece of cloth and dipped it into dye, uh, say a red dye, that, that act of doing that was baptism. Was you were, the, the white cloth is dipped into and it's identified, now it comes out red. So it's identified into the color that it was. It was also a word that was used of, um, say when a, 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 a ship sunk, um, in, in the ocean, it was immersed into, it was fully engulfed, fully uh, identified with, with, the, with the sea. And um, so I think in the, um, and I'll tell you who, who can be a great expert on this is Christy Vocal, uh, some of her background in, in, uh, in uh, Jewish studies. But the Jews were very big on cleansings and, and baptisms. Uh, if you go over to Israel, you'll see the little cutout, they're called mikvahs, the little baptismal, baptismal uh, mm -hmm. pools and that you would go through for different cleansings. And, you would, and it was for the purpose of identifying uh, in this, uh, you, you are identifying with this belief system. And you, in repentance, you would change your thinking of one belief and you're cleansing and you're coming out and you're, you've identified with this other belief. So baptism has that idea of identification. Uh, one example is uh, back in 1 Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul talked about um, the Jewish people. Uh, I don't want you to be uninformed. Verse one, he says that your father, our fathers, the Jewish people, all uh, were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea. He's talking about the Jewish people going through the you know cloud and the sea, and it says in verse two, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food. All baptized into Moses. What does that mean? 
Hmm. Well, it means they were, they, when Moses stepped into that water, or he followed the cloud, they followed him. They were identifying the, with Moses and his, his leadership. Um, so when we see the word used, we have to kind of, I, I think, ask ourselves, well, so what are we being identified with? And, um, and, and how does that work? And I think in that Acts 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, John baptized with water. John was calling people to, uh, a, 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 it was a call to the Jewish people to repent, to change their, their mind, really, about what, what's to come of who the Messiah was. And, um, and then he said, bring forth the fruit that's in keeping with repentance. And he would preach and, okay, the kingdom of God is coming. I, I believe that. I'm going to identify with John's message. So he would baptize them in the Jordan and they would, it, it was an act of publicly identifying with that message or that messenger and what he had to say. Well, the day is coming. Uh, Jesus told his disciples in his final 40 days, John did the baptism with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In other words, something new is about to happen, mm -hmm. and it's a identification with the Spirit of God and this new um, era of the of the new covenant. And so, it's why Paul later in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen said, um, every member of the church, every believer in Jesus Christ, is baptized with the Spirit. For by one spirit, we have all been baptized into one body, the body of Christ. So the moment a person trusts Christ as their Savior, that baptism of the Spirit takes place, and we're identified with this new uh, work, the, the body of Christ, and our newness in our identity with Christ. That is a long answer to a good but short question. Well, it's good, and it, it's, <laughs> it's cool to hear that what the, the fruit of that kind of thing is not coming from you just listening to the sermon, but it's studying it on your own, having word studies and, and even meeting with a friend and saying, okay, what? how can we sift through all this? Because we have a, a sermon that lasts 40 minutes, and, and but the opportunity, some of these questions are, are of biblical training caliber, yeah, you know, and, sure. and speak to the value of, of biblical dependency, self-efficacy with the scripture. Yeah. I want to lean into kind of the applications for life, Mark. You brought in six, and Abby, I'll come your way as well to w which of these kind of stood out to you. But right away, you, you, and you just shared from 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19, it kind of walks through these. But our preaching would be in vain if, if Christ w was dead. Uh, if he was not risen, here are all the ways. Basically, we're wasting our time as a church. And it was funny because I was scrolling back through the stream to try to find a few extra notes and Right when it played, you were yelling, you're wasting your time. Why don't you just get out of here? <laughs> and I just thought that was so funny because without Christ and what he has done, I mean, we really are. It, it, yeah. The alternative is, is of the utmost embarrassment. And so the reality then I think is worth, worth cherishing. And so the opposite of the preaching being in vain is that it's something that God has ordained and it's essential, yeah. the, the rejuvenation of the General Assembly, yeah. I think. See, I, and the, the point was, I don't know, we can take it... Uh, at times, so cavalierly, the, sure. the, the resurrection. I said, you know, I became a Christian when I was a little kid. And so it just, oh, the death and resurrection uh, of Jesus. Yeah. It's just, you know, but it, 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 we, it, we have to be captured by this. Hmm. And, and that's what Paul's doing here. And so, yeah, our preaching would be in vain. We, and, and as you said at the end, we'd be of all people most to be pitied. I mean, what are we doing here? We, we're just plain religion then. 
And sadly, a lot of religious people, that's all they do. Mm-hmm. They, they may go to a Christian church, but the reality of the death and resurrection of Christ hasn't captured them. And so when pressures come, or say in, in what's happened many times over the centuries in, in, in other lands where the government comes in and now persecution sets in, mm-hmm. they're bailing because the reality of a living Savior is not a reality to them. Mm-hmm. So, and again, I think that's why Jesus, the first thing he did in his 40 days, final 40, is presenting himself alive by many convincing proofs. I mean, he made sure that everybody knew. He saw 500 people at one time. Paul said many of those are still living. You can check them out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, 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 if, if it didn't happen, then we we're wasting our time, mm-hmm. which is what yeah. Paul is saying. Yeah, it's good. Abby, what are those kind of six points stood out to you this weekend? Yeah, uh, I think it's a combination of two and three, that your faith would be empty and that it would be worthless. Uh, similar mm. to what you were saying, I mean, kind of what's anchoring you or what's keeping you there if, if Christ wasn't alive? Mm. What, why, why would you believe? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, that's a great question, Abby, that has to be asked. So what is keeping you? In the, if you open the box of Christianity and it's empty, it's just air, vacuous nothingness, why are you still coming to church? What, what is it? That, well, it's my friends. Uh, it's it's you know I I feel good. It mm. makes me feel good, or or you know, and it's a question that should be asked. Mm-hmm. So wh- why do you come? Mm-hmm. Why why do you invest yourself in coming to church, even if it's only maybe once a month? But why do you come? Uh, in fact, that's a good question. Why are you coming only once a month? Or maybe on Christmas and Easter, right. mm-hmm. is it? Why are you doing that? Is it just to mark time? It's it's a just keep your you know your toe wet in and dabbling in this cultural thing of religion, or a mm-hmm. few friends attend there, or you make it makes you feel good that you've checked some things off religiously. Well, if if all that's in the box of Christianity is air, is emptiness. It's, it's worthless, so why would you do that? Well, you could say, because I gained some value by being around friends, or I, I feel it, there's value in feeling good about myself that I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. Okay, where's the eternal value to that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where what Paul was saying. There is no eternal value. And, and, and Christianity is, it, it, we're, we're, it's about eternal value. Jesus Christ came to give us eternal life. Well, and there's always a spiritual hole too. That's why the answer is not always found in some country club. Like yeah. the, the churches, people come to church for reasons so much smaller than God, but there's a God-sized problem or, <laughs> mm-hmm. or reason to be there. And Abby, I appreciate you saying the the points of our faith being empty and worthless because that hits home often for us. I think the devil wants it to, to feel empty. Mm-hmm. I think he will give us reasons even to, to, for our faith to feel empty and worthless, but they have to be reasons other than God's Son. Yeah. That, that's the only way he can convince us of that, that whole idea of that the devil only has the authority over you that you grant him. We, we start to leave godly truths and accept, oh, that's a good metric system for, I think my faith is empty and worthless because I'm measuring it based on my own standards, my mm-hmm. own performance. I thought by Christian faith I was going to get this, yeah. and then you didn't. Yeah. But yeah. the whole time the grave is empty and we're acting like it's yeah. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can remember some Easter pasts, you know, sermons I've done on on Easter where I my conclusion basically was are we living our life as if Jesus was still in the tomb? Mm. And I'd have to say, yeah, so there's a lot of times a lot I do times. that. Yeah. And so in a way, every time I 
I push the panic button or I, I worry about this or that or, you know, can't sleep at night because I'm thinking about that mm -hmm. or whatever. I, I, I need to kind of remind myself, let's see. Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's alive and he's got everything in order. It's moving to its consummated end and he's right here with me now because he's alive. Right. And it makes that, that that's the game changer. Yeah. For sure. And I think, again, if, if you think about Peter, James, and John, those early apostles who just, say, hours before, they were cowering in fear and maybe thinking of <laughs> scattering to the you know four winds, you know, getting the heck out of Jerusalem. All of a sudden, they see Jesus, and with the convincing, irrefutable proofs that he was alive, I was thinking, wouldn't that be amazing? That to have been there, to have seen that, how life-changing. Every one of those disciples, uh, other than John, every one of those disciples gave their life. They died martyrs' deaths, according to um, what history tells us. You don't give your life for a myth or for something you contrived, like stealing the body to contrive some false religion. Mm -hmm. No, they died because they it knew true. it was true. Yeah. It was true. And it starts with the resurrection. Right. That's where it starts with our with our Christian faith. When I love the irrefutable proof part and, and Jesus being willing to demonstrate that. He already the, the whole doubting Thomas thing and now the thing in Acts. He, it, it was it was established in such a way where they weren't going after he ascended. Well, I, I'm pretty sure it was him. You know, the, I you know, now that I look back on it, it was a little weird. That might have just been some weird angel or some weird he he made it is me, Jesus. Right. And so that it there was, was so, and and that's thorough. It, it, you've been to Israel, right? Mm -hmm. And um, when we've gone with Don and Hartog and Charlie, Don does the um, devotional at um, along the sea where mm -hmm. where yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh where what they what they call it um, the Sea of Galilee or the other one? Yeah, it's a Sea of Galilee, mm -hmm. but where he feed after his resurrection, he feeds. Uh, the disciples with the fish here. Mm -hmm. He's cooking the fish for him, mm -hmm. and uh, feed my sheep three times. Or yeah, different. yeah, and, and yeah, in yeah, that yeah. scene, yeah. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, he's it's, making the food. He's eating the food. He's there with them. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like. And by the way, if if you are ever there and you see that, I was so humbled by Israel because it wasn't this outlandish, super spiritual, mystical body of water. It was just water. It was yeah. right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, Dirty and, water. and I remember, and, and here's the cool part about it is it was underwhelming to me at first, and that became the most overwhelming part of the whole story hmm. for me. Because I said, it, it's real. Like, mm -hmm. it's right there. If you're if you're out on the Sea of Galilee, like we were, you can spin your neck and see everywhere Jesus walked, or like something like 70% of his journey. Yeah. And it, it, it made it real, and it's it's how God fit into our narrative, and I think it's so important. And when he was raised, he went into that real world that had trees and bushes mm -hmm. and fish to eat. And he, that's where he presented himself alive. Mm -hmm. It wasn't in some smoke-filled, you know, <laughs> dream, or, yeah, yeah, dream yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. something like, ooh, you know, yeah. it was, there he was. And um, so, yeah, it's, those were the convincing proofs that were just so crucial. Now, here's a question. Um, you know, why didn't Jesus, why didn't he you know, spend at least 20 of those 40 days <laughs> presenting himself alive to the Pharisees, to all the unbelievers, you know, and just come, come right in the temple and say, boom, there you go, guys, mm -hmm. you know, and just say, and I mean, what an opportunity mm -hmm. to go to back to Pilate. 
and uh, uh, you know, and say, "You put me to death." What gives? I'm alive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, now that would be mm-hmm. something of a movie that would be sure fun to see. Mm-hmm. He didn't do that, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of tension in that question, like. So why didn't he? I would have. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just presented himself alive to his followers. Who? So, and he had a lot of opportunities to do that pre, during, and post uh, crucifixion mm-hmm. to go ahead and say, "Boom, I'm God. Deal with it." Right? Oh yeah. But, yeah. but the whole grand narrative and us us belonging to God's plan, not because He needs us, because He wants us, and the opportunity for faith and and the very systematic way Jesus wanted to reveal Himself to That's people. That's right. And, in accordance with his character. That, and for 2,000 years, we've had this. I mean, we could have avoided these last 2,000 years. Hmm. We could have avoided all the world wars, all the atrocities, the genocidal effects of man's inhumanity to man. All that could have been avoided if he just would have marched in, or I think they could have avoided, if he just would have marched in and says, I'm king. Here we go. Yeah. Bow down and boom, I'm going to set this thing up right now. And, and But he didn't. He has chosen. Hmm. It's what Jesus continued to do and teach through us. We are that body. And he has a reason that he didn't do it. And so for 2,000 years, he kind of commissioned us mm-hmm. to go and be that to the world. Um, it's, I don't know, it's, I, I don't, we'll have to ask him someday. You know. <laughs> Join us for the second hour as we unpack. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting to be a part of it. Um, Abby, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. Any you. final thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think so. Cool. Mark, <laughs> thank you for being here, my man. Mm-hmm. As a reminder to our viewers and listeners, here's a couple announcements I want to uh, run past you so you know what's to come here at FBC. Uh, this coming Sunday, October 16th, 6.30 p.m., we have a fellowship family meeting. Please come out for that, a good opportunity to have some dessert and fellowship here, a lot of cool updates about life here at Fellowship, and then there'll be some uh, tables and opportunities to learn more about all the ministries we have. Uh, so we look forward to seeing you there. Also, baptism has come up a bunch. It's going to continue to come up, uh, especially in Acts chapter 2. But there is a class uh, coming up Tuesday, October 18th at 7 p.m. If you're interested in baptism and that that public profession and then the use of water to demonstrate somebody who is a new creation in Christ Jesus, uh, you can be a part of that. That service will happen uh, later this month. That that is a baptism of water. Absolutely. Yep, (laughs) yep. Uh, And just a final reminder, you can find us uh, all over the place on your favorite podcast platform each and every week. Just type in uh, Sermon Spotlight and we pop right up. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love, God bless.